Welcome to Harrison Church. We have officially launched our new communication tool, Realm. If you haven't registered yet, visit onrealm.org to sign up. Or check your email for the registration information from Harrison Church. Today, Pastor Shane talks about anger, what it is, how we misuse it, and how we can control this powerful emotion. Join us now for The Sound and the Fury by Pastor Shane Page. But thank you uh, for coming today. If you're visiting with us, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm Shane, one of the pastors here, and I do a lot of talking here on this stage, and it is an honor for me to do this. Um, If you are visiting, you are in part two of what's been a new series. We're in the season of Lent in, uh, in the Christian faith, and this is the time of year where at Lent, you're, you're, you're really meant to kind of acknowledge your brokenness, you acknowledge your sin. And what I thought we would do for the next few weeks of Lent is we would talk about the uh, seven, although we don't have time to do all seven, unless I preach on Easter Sunday on something like lust. Uh, but we, 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 that would be fun. Uh, I know Jesus is raised from the dead, but let's talk about lust. Uh, Well, we're going to study, explore some of the deadly sins of our tradition. You know, last week we talked about uh, the sin of gluttony, which if you remember, it was the, the, the excessive love. Gluttony is the excessive love of the pleasures of consumption. So, you know, that could be shopping, you know, that could be eating, anything that you, it's just excessive. And what, what gluttony will do to you over a period of time, life becomes all about your satisfaction, your gratification. The band did not sing, I can't get no satisfaction. They knew that this morning, but we feel that way. And our lives become just consumed, no pun intended, about our desires. It's all about us. And so what we're going to talk about today Uh, And you can probably get this from the confession that we recited together and the note that I sent through Realm yesterday, is that we're going to talk about the vice of anger. And this one is of all the vices we are going to talk about the hardest to hide. Red in the face, veins popping out of your forehead, gritting your teeth, anger. And in many ways, this is kind of the vice that is driving our society right now. So I'm going to be uh, reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesians in the New Testament from the fourth chapter, and I'm going to encourage you to stand as you are able for the reading of the Scripture. I'm going to be beginning with verse 17. The words will be behind me on the screen as well. But this is Paul's counsel to the Christians living in Ephesus, which is in in Turkey today, Ephesus. Now this I infirm and insist on in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live. In the futility of their minds. And Gentiles here just means the unbelievers. Kind of going back to our series on Revelation. Remember, we're, we're to be counterculture. We're different from others. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ. For surely you have heard about him. And we're taught in him as truth is in Jesus. You were taught to put away your formal way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourselves with the new self, created according to the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors. For we are members of one another. Then Paul says this. 
Say that with those first two words with me. Be angry. Wow. But do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not make room for the devil. Thieves. I guess Paul was talking about some thieves. Maybe some people were stealing in the church. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, and then this, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. My brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. All right, so let's talk about anger. It's, it's, it's in the New Testament. I was reminded, uh, George Will is a columnist for the Washington Post, one of my favorite columnists. It's been some time ago, but he wrote a column, and it was the catchiest title. He said that in the United States, anger is all the rage. Should have not named my sermon. Like, anger is all the rage in our country. Or it, doesn't it seem as if anger is kind of driving our country and our culture right now? I'm still reading about the angry Christians the angry evangelicals, the angry progressives, the angry conservatives. You know, we kind of live in a culture now of uh, tweet storms and hate speech and uh, uh, posting anonymous comments online. We call this flaming. You ever heard of this? You're just anonymous, but you just attack someone who has posted something on Facebook or or wherever else. Um, A few weeks ago, uh, someone said that there used to be a day when uh, politicians would play on our fears. It would be the politics of fear. And so their whole objective was to get you to be afraid of the other side, whoever that might be. But now, this same person said, they're beginning to play the politics of anger. Now they want to get you irate at the other side, and it's very effective. It's working. You know, we are so different in our opinions nowadays, but we're so divided, and yet anger seems to be our common bond. How we see the world is different, but we are alike in our anger. So, you know, let's talk about anger and how we should think about this from a biblical standpoint. And the first thing to say, this might be a surprise to some of you, uh, something new, but anger actually is a good thing. It can be a great thing. God designed you to have anger. God designed you to have this emotional response. Anger, when it is a good kind of anger, we'll get to the bad kind. When anger is a good kind of anger, it is a response to your perception of justice. Or it's a response to your, your sight of, of, of unfairness, of something you see that is unfair. That's a good thing. So when anger is good, you know where it comes from? It comes from your love. Anger, when it is good, it comes from love. I mean, this is obvious. You think about somebody you love. And if you see someone you love getting hurt, you are going to get angry, right? I mean, it would almost be a sin not to get angry, to see someone you love getting hurt and you have no response at all. And what that anger can do is that it can spur you to action. It can get you to want to take action to redress the wrong. So anger, anger is, a, is a good thing. I mean, thinking about the, uh, the teenagers. You've been reading about this in Florida? These teenagers in Florida, 
who in response to the murder of their classmate last week at that shooting, they are now kind of organizing themselves in the hopes of creating some change, violence on campus. You know where that's coming from? What emotion that's coming from? It's their anger. It is their anger. Now, some of them are dropping, you know, names and pejoratives at each other. That's not what I'm talking about. But the anger has been a motivating force for them. That's the good kind of anger. Uh, Some of you got a note from me last week. Uh, Bishop Ken Carter, he is a United Methodist bishop serving in the Florida conference. He has issued a call for all local United Methodist congregations for the people in the church to write letters to their representatives on the issue of of safety on school campuses and to make some kind of safety measures a priority for those who legislate on our behalf. And, And so last week I sent an invitation to the people of Harrison Church. Let's get involved in this. You can write a letter, but don't mail it. What Ken Carter was saying is that bring your letter to church and so next Sunday on March the 4th, we will collect all the letters, whether it's three of them or 30 of them or 300 of them, and we will just pray over those letters, and then we will mail those letters on your behalf. But I will tell you this, only those among us who are angry enough to write the letter are going to write the letter. If you're not upset about it, you won't. But this is a way that anger can be a good thing. Jesus, in the Gospels, he went into the temple, and out of his anger, what did he do? He turned over the, t- over the tables of the merchants. Why? Because of the injustice that was happening in the house of God. God in various places, in the Old Testament especially, he gets angry with the evil, the sinfulness of his people. Paul, in our lesson, said, be what? Angry. You know, we kind of think that the Christian life is all about, uh, oh, no, we must have no emotion. No, that's not what Paul says. Paul says, be angry. Anger is legitimate. It can do good things, but then Paul qualifies what he says. He says, be angry, but then what does he say? But do not sin. And there's the rub. How quickly can we have a sense of injustice and our anger at injustice? How quickly can we be all of a sudden overtaken by our anger and we start to lose control? I mean, we lash out at others. We we say things to other people that we will regret for the rest of our lives. And I'm going to tell you, if you've never said something that you have regretted to someone, you need to come to my office and counsel me on how to live better. I mean, we do this. Anger makes us do this. Now, the thing about Jesus, for instance, at the, at the temple, if you think about Jesus, he was angry, but you notice he never hurt anyone. He didn't take a whip and whip people. He overturned the tables. He hurt profit. But he didn't hurt people, but how quickly can we go from having a good kind of anger to, to, to hurting people? And then suddenly, suddenly we begin to kind of cheer at the misfortune of others. Or, or we just fixate on getting even. Or we just kind of attack people who somehow disagree with us. This is when anger kind of goes off of the rails. So if it's channeled in the right way, anger can be a good thing. This is how change happens. But if it's channeled in the wrong way, and this happens to us most of the time, man, it can lead to great destruction and hurt. Jesus said in one of his uh, sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you have heard it said to you, you shall not kill. But I say to you, Jesus said, anyone who has anger against their brother or sister will be liable to the judgment. Wow. 
You think about the crimes against humanity in our culture. You think about wars. You think about terrorism. I mean, all of these things can have their origin in anger. It's so hard to control this. Um, the medieval theologian says that you, you can actually diagnose yourself if you've got an anger problem, <laughs> anger management. Isn't that a movie? Jack Nicholson or something? Anyway. But you can actually diagnose yourself if you've got an anger problem because they say anger really takes three forms. Three forms of anger. So for you note takers, here, here's, your, here's your three notes that you can, you can jot down. You, can, you may have an anger problem if, one, you become angry too easily or if you become angry too disproportionately, we'll talk about that. And then the last one is if you become angry for too long. Too easy, too disproportionately, or angry for too long. We'll talk about those. Now the first one, becoming angry too easily, uh, this one's simple to recognize. You know, th- this is someone where if there's the slightest little change to their plan in the day... The slightest little interruption or maybe a mishap happens. This is the person that goes from 0 to 10 in 3 seconds. Angry too easily. Or what we would call the short fuse syndrome. People with a short fuse. <laughs> I was thinking about this. Um, many of you know that I drive a pretty old car. It's the butt of a lot of jokes. But I can handle this. And um, one of the things, you know, I've had this car for a while now. And this old car... Ever since I've owned it, it is slow. I mean, when you're at a stoplight, when you hit the gas, it is so slow to accelerate. It's like a tugboat. It's like, mm, you know, the front kind of goes up, and it's, it's just slow. Now, I'll, I will tell you, the day is going to come, it might be soon, when I'm going to get another car. But I'm not going to replace my car because it's too old. I'm going to be replacing my car Because, thanks to its slow acceleration, I have seen more middle fingers pass me to the left (laughs) than anybody in the state of North Carolina. We are so angry, right? You know, road rage. Like, what's this about? You know, I'm just driving. We become so angry, and we become angry too easily. And I will say, if you're someone who becomes angry too easily, I'm going to step on some toes a little bit. You know what's driving it? It's pride. It's pride. When you take anger and then you mix it with pride, it becomes very explosive. And all of a sudden, you become someone who believes, man, life ought to be going according to my plans and my wishes. And if someone disagrees with you, you just want to attack them. Everything's got to go according to your plan. That's, that's, that's pride. That's, that's, see, so anger can go come from love, but it can very easily blow up into self-love. And it's about your interests that you care about and nobody else's but your interests. And you don't have any toleration, any tolerance for anybody who is different from you at all. And the only antidote to pride in Christian tradition is humility. But you're not going to wake up one day and say, I am humble today. You've got to develop habits. You've been angry as a habit, and now it's shaped your character. You've got to be humble by habit. And, and what some of the great saints say to develop humility, if you're an angry person and you want to become humble, it takes a long time, but you've got to wake up every day, and you've got to reflect on yourself, and you've got to remember, number one, that you are dust, and, and to dust you will return, which means you are mortal. And number two, you live in a universe over which you have no control. 
You can't, you can't make the earth spin on its axis right now. You can't control the weather. And so if you're angry too easily, you've got this desire to control, 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 control. But you've got to realize that most of our lives and things in our lives happen outside of our control. So that's the first kind. Being angry too easily. Man, pride can drive that. Pride can drive the rest of what we're going to talk about. But really, the short fuse. It's too much me involved. All right. So that's the first one. The second one is becoming angry too disproportionately. Uh, this happens when someone, something bad happens, and it may be small. Someone could spill their, somebody could spill their coffee. Uh, the internet could go out, and this person reacts with Hulk smash. <laughs> they just want to burn everything down. This is, this is overreacting. That's becoming too angry. It's disproportionate to what's really happening. Um, some of you may have heard of, it's the Old Testament law, the lex talionis. Maybe you haven't heard it that way, but the law of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You've heard of this? Uh, there are a lot of historians who say that the eye for an eye law was really put in place to keep people's responses in check. So in other words, if you came and pulled out my tooth, the most I could do to you would be what? Pull out your tooth. I couldn't burn down your house. Because sometimes we want to overreact to things that happen. You pluck out my eye, all I can take is your eye. I can't burn your farm or put salt in the soil, see? Or it's like uh, overreacting, disproportionate anger. It's like that character. I think it was Michael Douglas. It's an old movie from the 90s. He played this character. I think it was the name of the movie was Falling Down. You ever seen this movie? It's a terrible movie, but let me tell you about it. Uh, <laughs> terrible movie. So Michael Douglas plays this, this character, and he's just, he's just in a rage. He's just mad at the world. And there's this scene that happens where he goes into a fast food restaurant, orders a hamburger, and they give him the hamburger. And he looks at this hamburger, and he says, but this is so puny and so shriveled. He says, it doesn't look like the burger on the menu that looks so plump and so juicy. And you know what he ends up doing? He ends up like practically blowing the place up. So we can respond in anger disproportionately, and disproportionate anger is the most destructive to others. And there, there have been wars started when nations have overreacted to what's going on. Marriages can be destroyed. Relationships can be destroyed when there is an overreaction, especially if it becomes a habit. Right? So becoming angry too easily becoming angry too disproportionately, over, overreacting, going over the top. And then the last one is, are you angry for too long? And this one is the most destructive to yourself. The thing about anger, it is of all the vices we're going to be talking about, it is the most addictive. You can get addicted to your anger. Oh, that surge of adrenaline. Oh, that pulse that goes. You can get actually hooked on this. Especially when it comes to people who have hurt you in the past. And you begin to harbor these resentments. You, you can get hooked on that. You know, Paul in our lesson, well, what does he say? Let me look at this. Paul in the lesson says, be angry but do not sin. And then he says in verse 26, do not let the sun go down on your anger. What Paul is saying is, is, is people of God, don't, take, don't harbor your resentments for too long. If you do, it can consume you. 
It can eat you alive if we are angry for too long. We become like Captain Ahab. The novel Moby Dick. Did you have to read that in high school? Gosh, that novel's this long. But Captain Ahab, you know, the, that whale bites off his leg. And then for the rest of his life, he is only focused on how he can get back at that whale. And it drives him. His, his desire for vengeance becomes like this dark energy that propels him forward until it's his undoing in the end. Frederick Beatner is a great uh, Christian author. I, I love what he said. I'm going to read a couple of sentences to you on, on, on anger. This is great, but I think it's right. Frederick Beekner wrote this. He says, of all the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the end of the feast is you. You hold on to anger for too long, you are eating yourself up. And you ever notice that when you harbor these resentments towards someone, that they're fine? They're fine. You're not. You're eating yourself. So we can be angry too easily, angry too disproportionately, and overreact, and, or really just angry for too long. Now, uh, last week I, I said that for all the vices that we'll talk about, there is an opposite virtue. So a vice is a sin that has become a habit. It can become habit to do this way, to behave this way, then it becomes a vice. It becomes second nature. There are, though, holy habits that we can practice over time. Maybe those become second nature. So the opposing virtue to gluttony, for instance, does anybody remember what it was? The opposing virtue to the vice of gluttony? Temperance. Temper learning to live with enough. I don't need anymore, Okay. The opposing virtue to the vice of anger is patience. That sounds really boring until I tell you what it really means. It doesn't mean this. I'll just wait right here, thank you. It doesn't mean just waiting. Patience is learning over time that you are not exempt to the pain of the world. Patience is learning that God is not going to exempt you from wrong things or bad things happening to you. God is not going to carve out a place for you to say, you know what, I'm going to put you in a bubble. The rest of the world is not going to apply to you. Yes, it is. It's going to happen. Bad things are going to happen to us. <laughs> My wife's here. I'm, I may be getting in trouble for this, but uh, I remember there was a time pretty recently where I would get so livid when machines would break down, like the dishwasher would break down or the, or the laundry would break down or my car would break down. I would, I would get so angry. And I remember one time uh, my wife said to me, she says, machines break. Who knew? <laughs> in other words, duh. It happens. Bad things happen. And, 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 and patient people, see, here's the difference. Patient people, these are the steady people. 
patient people are understood to be steadfast. So patient people have learned over time that, yeah, you know, good things happen and bad things happen. But patient people have learned to be the same through it all. You ever known anybody like that? Like no matter what's going on, they're the steady eddies. Like nothing seems to change their character. That's what a patient person is. We've got to learn that when it comes to anger. Now, there are a couple of practices we can actually do that the saints in our tradition prescribe. The first thing that you can do, if you are eaten up with anger, if you are an angry person, if this is where your predisposition is, one of the first things that you should do is what's called acts of mercy. We would like to call it random acts of kindness. You've heard of this. I'm not a big fan of saying random acts of kindness. It can kind of sound hokey, but I'm going to roll with that today. If you're angry, you need to do some random acts of kindness. Why? Because anger makes you all about you. You focus so much on the wrongs of your, wor- of your life and, oh, the people who are out to get me. Why isn't the world going according to my plan? And you've got to come out of yourself. The only medicine to anger is for you to get out of yourself. Do some random acts of kindness. If you're in the grocery store, buy someone their milk. Just do it. Because when you're angry, you don't want to do that. That's the last thing you want to do. But you've got to fight against that, te- that temptation, that feeling. You know, buy, if you're at a, gr- a restaurant, you know, buy a stranger lunch. Just do it. Do it anonymously. Some people talk about uh, almsgiving. That mercy really is almsgiving. And I did not plan it this way, but we're actually collecting alms during Lent. There's a box right outside where we're asking people just to drop their spare change. We're going to take that offering on Easter, and we're going to take the sum total, and we're going to give it to the hungry and the ministries that serve the hungry uh, in, in Harrison Church. But you've got, you got to get outside of yourself. If you want to get, loosen the grip of anger in your life, do some acts of mercy it is critical and it's the last thing you want to do you just want to be mad at the world but no you got to get outside yourself and when you're merciful you're getting outside of yourself you might actually find some joy in the process angry people need some joy when we're eating up with it second thing is the obvious thing and and paul mentions it in our lesson today Uh, this won't be a surprise to many of you but he ends the lesson saying put away all this wrath and anger and then he says forgive one another just as Christ has forgiven you. You got to forgive. We have to learn how to forgive each other. The demon of anger hates forgiveness. Oh, anger wants you to hold on, hold on, hold on. Eat yourself up. But this is what it takes. And my question to you is that, you know, really, who do you need to forgive today? Is there anybody? Maybe it's not a person. Maybe some of you just need to forgive life. Maybe the cards have, have always been kind of stacked against you, and you, you need to forgive maybe life. Maybe you need to forgive God. Is that provocative? Kind of like Lieutenant Dan, Forrest Gump. I'm doing all kinds of 90s movies today. I don't know what's gotten into me. You know that scene where he's just angry? He just, and he shakes his fist at God when he's out in the the ocean and he came to peace with God. Maybe he just needed to forgive God. But if you want to forgive others, I mean, we are the people of God. I mean, we know, we know 
that there have been moments in our lives where we have royally messed up and we've hurt other people and we've betrayed our faith, but yet God does not lash out at us, does he? There are times where, when you should have been punished or God should have smote you, but that's not who God is. Your experience confirms that God is rich in mercy, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Remember that God forgives you. You can let it go. You can let it go. Do not let your anger eat you up. Mercy and forgiveness. So my, my prayer for us as we end, and I'll, I'll ask the musicians to come back to the stage, but my, my prayer for us is that we, we as a church, we as Christians, we need to learn how to get angry at the right things. And I, I was going to kind of put in here, I guess I'll say it to you guys, that one of the things that I've been doing is asking, is this something that has just happened? Is this something that Jesus would be angry about? And if not, I don't get too angry about it anymore. Oh, I have a flat tire. I think Jesus has bigger fish to fry than my flat tire. But let's get angry at the right things. There are a lot of things we should be angry about. But let us not sin. Let us not hurt anybody because God does not hurt us. You are forgiven. You can let the past go and start anew right now. Let us pray. Our oh, gracious and loving God, we, we do have so much inside of us, and it's so hard to let go. But I do pray right now for release and liberation for these, your people. Help us realize that in our anger, we are the ones who are losing. We are the ones who are being diminished. Help us see the world anew. Help us see your abundance. Help us see your mercy. Help us experience your forgiveness of the great wrong that we have done through our sin to Jesus Christ. And yet you pronounced us reconciled so that we might pronounce forgiveness upon others. So we offer ourselves to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We hope that you enjoyed it. For more information regarding what's going on at Harrison Church, how you can get involved, or upcoming events, you can visit us online at harrisonchurch.org.